Hey guys, welcome back to the BMW Blood Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. Today I'm joined by Nate once again, and we have a lot of things to talk about. So without any further ado, Nate, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it's a little cold after being in extremely warm South Carolina a couple weeks ago. I uh, came back to a whole bunch of frost, and I know you've been getting snow, so it's going to be a little bit different doing our testing here in the near future, but uh, at least we got those warm days in uh, a couple weeks back. Yeah, exactly. So that's a good segue into what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, we went to Test Fest, which is an annual test car event uh, that BMW of North America hosts. It's usually either on the East Coast or West Coast, and they bring a lot of cars. I guess this year they had about 114 cars, which is insane. <laughs> Of course, they're multiple of the same model, but um, there was everything that was launched in 2023 there. So we had a chance to drive it on the road and on the track as well. So so today we're going to be talking about the new BMW 5 Series, about the BMW i5. We drove the car on the road and also on the track. So that will be an interesting thing to talk about for sure. We also went a little bit in mainstream with the BMW X5 50e, which is a great car. So we drove that as well. And then we hopped into the BMW XM label red. So um, we've talked about this car quite a bit, right? So, I mean, they're, they're on our YouTube channel, so you can see or you know, listen to our thoughts. But we're going to touch on that one more time. And I guess uh, I'm going to be talking also a little bit about the BMW iX M60 long-term press car. I'm going to explain what that is and what I plan on doing with that. And then maybe we're going to touch on the latest news a little bit, which is uh, the BMW iM3 was a trademark registration that happened you know recently so we can talk about that then maybe um, i'm going to end with um my own topic on the bmw i3 versus i4 because i just got a new i4 so i can i can explain why i got the color that i did <laughs> i think and it's then, awesome uh, make green great again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's let's leave that for the end so people can uh, can actually you know stay uh stay tuned but uh yeah that's a neat, that definitely an interesting one Right, Nate. So I'll let you kick it off. Actually, let's start with the i5 M60 because you drove it on track. I didn't have a chance. I was too busy filming and trying not to. So, <laughs> yeah. So tell me how that went. That was a lot of fun. Um, that's the first time I've ever driven an EV on track. Um, so that was quite exciting. Um, and as you know, we uh, we were led off by an M5 competition. So uh, it was pretty cool to see that comparison of of you know the top of the line performance five series versus you know that and performance ev vehicle and uh you know it it didn't leave us you know we we definitely stayed with it um you know obviously i think it it could have easily gotten away from us but uh with a little bit of effort we were right there with it it was a lot of fun too did you see the comments on instagram on the video <laughs> that we posted yeah yeah it's uh, uh it's quite interesting what everyone was thinking, but, uh, I, you know, I thought it was great. Um, I do think the sound made me get a little annoying after a while, yeah. uh, but you can definitely hear it in those Instagram videos. Yeah. So I guess that was one of the complaints, right? I mean, the sound clearly people were saying that, you know, the car cannot do a lot of laps and that's kind of what we thought initially too. Right. But I think when we looked at the battery, um, um, charging, um, I don't think it actually depleted too much over the last, you know, three, four laps that we did, right? No, not much at all. And I was definitely foot to the floor quite a bit. Um, and, you know, it's it's BMW. It's an M Performance product. You know they're going to go testing on that to make sure that it can it can stay doing that type of driving. Um, and, we, yeah, I saw no real fade out of it. 
Um, it, it definitely stayed very consistent. Um, the only thing I think it faded at, at all was the brakes a little bit due to the weight. But other than that, it, it felt great. And I don't recall exactly how much battery it lost, but it, it wasn't much. Yeah, exactly. I think by our estimations, you could do a few dozens lap, you know, easily. I mean, it's a short track there, so, um, you know, you don't have to, uh, to run for too long. But I guess, you know, if you really want to track it, you could. It's not a track car. First of all, it's an i5. It's a 5 Series, so clearly you're not going to track that. And then you have the V8 M5 in front of you, so it's really not a fair comparison. <laughs> I guess what you mentioned and what I recall from the video also is the fact that getting in and out of corners it's a lot quicker with the car because of the instant torque so you will feel that but i guess uh, you will feel the weight as well because it's got that large battery pack in the floor of the in the of the car basically yeah um it it it's obviously you know a, a very powerful ev so coming out of the corners yeah it's very quick it stayed right behind the m5 most of the time uh the m5 did kind of pull away from us through the corner um, and a little bit at the end of some of the straights, but um, and that's probably just due to that weight. Um, it did feel a little heavy, but it still feel, felt very good. And I think you mentioned in uh, in another uh, i5 review, you know, all that battery's just right down there in the floor. So it, it's got a low center of gravity, so it feels very balanced. Um, has a very, uh, very much like a 50, almost, I would say pretty close to 50-50 feel. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, EVs have a tendency to just with that weight feel too much. And I, I didn't really feel it that much, um, but it was definitely noticeable. Would have been interesting. Would have been to uh, have two uh, driving instructors from the school actually going at each other, one with the i5 M60, one with the M5 to kind of really push the car and see what it can do. I mean, clearly ours was a uh, follow lead type of thing. So they're never going to push it too hard. And so they're not going to let us push it too hard either. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's a good it's a good indicator for of how you're going to drive it more like on a spirited drive than it would be like a full on track day. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting to get a couple instructors on there. Um, if you go watch our our video, you'll hear like the crash avoidance systems alarm going off and stuff like that. Uh, just those little annoyance things that you know keep you from actually pushing too hard. Uh, but other than that, like like I was saying, I think. I think this car is going to feel fantastic out on the road. Um, so it felt really good on track. Um, I know you've driven on the road. Um, how'd you feel with it? Yes, I mean, I had a chance to drive it in Portugal, actually, on some uh, curvy roads, mountain roads there, and I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, it was ridiculous fast. <laughs> I remember, you know, talking about that in the video. I mean, it would just take off, honestly. And it, it was fun, actually, to, to corner with the car and do all of that. Um, it's got a lot of grip, so it's almost impossible to spin that uh, that that rear wheel if you want to. Um, but I also had more fun actually with the um, i5 e drive 40 when I drove it there because of the rear wheel drive. So like to me, that felt a little bit more you know interesting to drive. Um, but the f 60 is just a brute. I mean, it's it's so quick. I mean, it's what 3.7 seconds or something like that, zero to 60. I mean, it's ridiculous. So yeah, which is fast car, yeah. Yeah, that that's pretty darn quick for that type of luxury vehicle. You know, the five series is really stepped up. It's kind of you know like if you think more of a traditional BMW lineup, it's it's like a modern seven series. You know, it's it's big, it's luxurious, it's comfortable, has all the features. So like three point sevens, really, it makes it feel very fast. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, 
I see these comparisons all the time, you know, that Tesla and other competitors, they do a thousand horsepower and all of that. So I'm like, what's the point? I feel like even 600 horsepower in the i5 M60 is just too much, honestly. I feel like I would be okay with anywhere from four to 500 horsepower and it would be more than enough, honestly. It, it gets you car sick quickly, but, <laughs> you know, crazy acceleration. If you do it for a little bit, I mean, it will absolutely get you car sick. There is no way it's not. So what's the point having a thousand horsepower just to brag about, you know, 1.9 or two second times, you know? Yeah, it's an initial wow factor. But every time I hear these numbers and hear like cars like Lucid and all that coming out, it's just, I've been to enough driving schools and seen people who felt like they'd have experience driving just, you know, regular M cars and not being able to drive them well. So it just kind of, it kind of scares me a little bit to know how many people can be out there with that kind of speed and power. Exactly. I mean, if we're talking about the future, right? I mean, when BMW will bring their, you know, real M car basically to the, to the track, an electric car, I mean, that's going to be on a new platform. It's going to have quad motors. So it'll be a lot more interesting to see how they use those quad motors to um, improve driving dynamics and everything else. I mean, that's, to me, that's the real test more than, you know, straight line performance and all of that. But nonetheless, I guess the i5 M60, it's a fun car. It's not a track car. Uh, it's not an M5, doesn't sound like an M5, and we talked about that. Um, you know, the last point on that is uh, I, I kept reading some comments on how they wish it had a V8 sound inside, but I'm wondering if you do that artificial V8 inside or whatever, V10, whatever sound you want to put in, if people are going to be complaining, hey, you know, it's just a <laughs> fake sound. Because you could probably time it to the telematics of the car and, you know, when you accelerate, it will make a different sound and all of that. But I think that'll be just a gimmick. I think people will hate it even more than the you know, the iconic sound. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think what people always forget about, when, like when they start saying things like that, is like electric cars don't shift. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so how how are you going to do that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. So it, I think if you you can completely turn off the sounds, and and I think then you just have a very quiet ride and. Um, that's it. So yeah, so that was the the i5 M60 on the track, uh, just a few laps. But hopefully, uh, in the future, we we'll get some other cars. I'll be more interested to do the i4 M50, honestly, because it's a little bit lighter. You know, it's not as much power in it, but um, I feel like that would be a lot more fun to drive, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. All right. So then, what do we do next? Yeah. So then we wanted to see actually staying on the i5 topic. We wanted to see. Um, if one should buy the i5 drive 40 which is the rear wheel drive i5 or should they go for the 530i rear wheel drive so we talked about that before we drove them we said okay let's find something that's comparable and even though there is a price gap i believe about nine thousand dollars um difference in between them with the i5 being the more expensive one we felt like they're, they're quite comparable in, in many perspectives. So we took them on the road, right? So we drove them back to back. I guess that's the video that's going to come out very, very soon. And we talked about which one would be the better buy. So maybe you want to tell me about that. Yeah, uh, that, that was a lot of fun to see them back to back like that, especially after driving the, uh, the M60 in the morning. Um, I was lucky enough to take the i5 uh, first and glad i did <laughs> um because it was very obvious on my end um the, the difference between the two after that i mean uh what i do like about uh the i5 was 
it was just so good on those mountain roads. It was that perfect balance of like power and feel and smoothness and just, it felt great up there. Like I thought it was a good combination of, of just about everything. Uh, and the acceleration, uh, obviously being the EV that it is, left the 530i in the dust quite a, quite often. It was, it was quite easy. And that that's the thing. When you jump right in the 530, I think when you, when you watch the video, you'll see like, it took two corners and I'm like, nope. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> it just felt sluggish. I mean, I was trying to chase you basically. And, and I could tell that you're not going fast at all, honestly. And it would just take a long time for the torque to kick in and build up and, and get to a decent speed. And honestly, you, you just can't keep up. I mean, there is, there is a, a power difference in there also, I think about 90 horsepower, but even without that, clearly the i5, it's the, it's the, I would say the more fun car to drive. In many ways, it was also more engaging. I mean, the 530i, it's a four-cylinder, so it's not that exciting, honestly. It felt underpowered for the weight of the car, for the size of the car. So it's one of the few cars that actually felt like there is not enough power in it with that engine. Um, of course, it's a budget 5 Series. I get it. I know why people would want to buy that, because they want to get a 5 Series that's not you know, too expensive, and they're going with that instead of the six-cylinder, basically. I mean, there is no A-cylinder anymore. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I get the I get the reason for it too, um, and but I feel that there's no real point in that car. It just it just the you. I was trying to if you kept thinking about when I was driving it, like what's the point? Like what's the real purpose of this car? And I know it's an entry level of the five series, and a lot of people, you know, that's where they end up. Is you know they want. They, they finally get to that level where they can buy and get into the BMW brand and they get into that entry level. But I feel like it's just the amount of power in there and the size of that car. It's just like, it doesn't give that BMW feel and experience that you should get out of a BMW, right? Like it just, yeah. it, it feels like a big, heavy, slow car. And that's not what people imagine or know of when they step into a BMW. So like, I, I feel like they're catering to the sales on that maybe a little bit and it's, uh, but it's not going to give those customers probably that, that lasting feeling, you know, if that's your entry point and you're like, oh, this ain't that great. Are you more likely to move over to a Tesla or a Mercedes or an Audi after that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, that's why I guess they're there. Um, promoting a lot more the, the i5, the entry level i5 than the 5 series. And I'm assuming when the 530e goes on sale, if it hasn't, I don't know if it has or not, but I guess if I were to pick in between the 530i and the 530e, I'll, I'll definitely go for the 530e. I mean, you're getting a little bit more power. You're definitely going to be a lot more fun to drive, probably going to get some, you know, tax incentives and all of that. So I definitely see the um, 530e maybe being the, the most successful, you know, five series in the US. I don't know about the rest of the world because they still have diesels and other cars as well. But I have a feeling the 530 will sell quite, quite well in the US. And then of course, probably the i5 as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, what was the price difference? You said it was like eight or $9,000 between the i5 yeah, and the 530? Yeah, it was 9,000, yeah. So I guess then I, the, uh, I remember now because I had to memorize that for the video. So I think it was dollars <laughs> difference. Yeah, if I was nine thousand dollars difference. Yeah, but is that expensive. is that before the tax incentive? Uh, yes, before. So that's just the base MSRP, basically. Yeah. So if you take out the seventy five hundred, then yeah. So it's it's no comparison then. Yeah. yeah if exactly. if you can get the the seventy five hundred dollar tax incentive, it there's no reason not to spend two thousand more dollars when you're already spending fifty some thousand 
there's just no reason not to unless like i said in our video you're doing a lot of commuting a lot of drive you're a road warrior you know um that would be the only reason i feel to go with the 530. uh through with the savings to the customer or not but um honestly the i5 AD drive 40 as i said earlier because i drove it in portugal as well it's it's just so nice to drive honestly i, I feel like personally i wouldn't need the i5 m60 Mm -hmm. um, if I were to get an, to get an i5, I would absolutely go with the i5, maybe the X Drive in the end if I want to be, you know, like uh, to have a versatile car, especially in Chicago. But um, I, I just, I just really like that e5, uh, that i5 e drive 40, and um, I feel like that'll be my choice. For yeah, the entire lineup. It's, I think, like I just mentioned a little bit ago, I think it's it's great all around. Gives you everything you're looking for from from the five series, right? Like yeah. it gives you that plenty of feel to play with. Um, you get that the newer technology and drivetrain, uh, the quiet, uh, the smoothness of the five series. I mean, it's just it's just the best combo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that video is coming out soon. I mean, we it's going to be quite long because we we went uh, head to head with the cars basically, and then we talked about it quite a bit, and it was not scripted really. So. Um, each one of us had their own thoughts on the car, so it'll be quite interesting to see what people think about that and which one they will pick. But yeah, it was a, was a really interesting test. Everybody was just doing like individual tests of, of cars. We decided to do kind of like, you know, some head-to-head -head comparisons and offer some buying advice because in the end, that's what it really comes down to. Yep. Yeah, it was a good comparison. I was glad we got the time to do that. Um, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I have a feeling not too many people jumped into the 530i. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen the few reviews, but not I mean, I guess everybody would really want to drive the i5 when it makes sense, you know, I mean, so it, it's, it's a new car, it's completely different. I mean, the 530, the 530i has been around, same engine, of course, different design and all of that, but I'm, I highly doubt it. The, the character of the car has changed much from the G30 generation. So, yeah, for sure. All right, so what did we do next? We did the um, X550. So as I predicted, it's actually um, the more successful uh, video of all of them that we've done so far. Yeah. As I, I said mean, before, there is a lot of interest around that car. I mean, honestly, um, you know, you tell me what you think. Of the car, but... <laughs> I mean, that's their bread and butter, the X5, right? In the US, I mean, like that, they, that's just, it's a huge quantity for them. Um, it's that perfect all-around size and capability. Um, and... The 50E, I know I kept calling it the 50E, and you kept making fun of me. <laughs> so far, no one said anything. No, no one said anything, but, I you know. Thought, I would have thought somebody would leave a comment on the... It's all good. Um, I, you know, I always was a huge fan of the, the diesel version, the 35D, or the, the hybrid. Um, and it's all because, you know, it's a big vehicle that torques great. And the 50E gives you all that low end grunt of, of, of what you need, right? Um, so like, it, it feels great off the line. Um, you get a, a lot of good fuel economy out of it with the, with, with the electric system in there. Um, it's just, I feel like a very good, once again, like same thing with the, uh, the i5. It's, it's the best all around optioned uh, X5 that I feel you can get. It's going to give you the most fun, the most daily uh, use out of it, just kind of ticks all the right boxes. Yeah. As I was actually writing my uh, my print review on that car, I, I was thinking, you know, is there something wrong with the car? Is there something that I could point out? Is there something that the car is not good at? And and honestly, I wanted to find to find something that 
doesn't really work with that particular X5, and I couldn't really. I mean, the car just does it so well. Of course, it doesn't excel at driving dynamics, doesn't excel at many things, but it just does it right for for its purpose, you know, mm -hmm. whatever in the intent of that car is, it's perfect. Honestly, I don't feel like they could do any better than they did. It's a good design. The interior, of course, it's a little bit arguable with, the, you know, the lack of physical buttons and the screen and all of that, but that's, you know, that's another thing. But overall, it's just a really, really good product. You just, if, if you go test drive that car, I highly doubt you're going to come back and say okay, <laughs> something is wrong with that, with that car. Yeah, they, they just, they keep fine tuning it. They've been, you know, the X5, they just keep tweaking, tweaking it and making it a little bit better each time. And I don't know what they could really improve upon next. Uh, my, my only thing that I would say maybe is the downside would be there's a lot of systems in there, you know, <laughs> you, you have a very large hybrid system. You have, you know, a, a very good uh, engine in there as well. Um, but it's just a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, for over time, like if you're to buy that for a long period of time, that's just a lot of things that may, may need to be maintained. But like, that's the only downside I could come up with. It's a very good point because as you are talking about this, I was thinking about maybe doing an article on on the 45E in the previous uh, previous model and, and see if there were any reliability issues. Because honestly, we don't usually see them. We, we drive the cars, mm -hmm. you know, being new. So we don't really, we're not customers that have the car for a long time to see what's wrong with the car. But it would be an interesting thing to look at the 45E and see if there are any major issues with that drivetrain or, you know, the hybrid drivetrain. But I'm assuming over time, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are more things that can break for sure. Um, but I also feel like people that buy the X5s, they, they just list them for two or three years and then they get another one. So I, I rarely yeah. see a lot of, uh, you know, secondhand newish cars kind of thing, you know. Which is very true. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that is that that key demographic. I mean, you know, BMW customers for the most part only especially if they're buying new cars, only keeping them for a few years anyway, um, and then get and getting a newer one. Um, so okay. that, that is kind of a key, a key, key selling point for them, you know, is a lot of their lease offers and things like that. I, but I feel this was, you're right. This is just a great all around vehicle. Um, I think it does, uh, everything fantastically. Um, you could drive your kids to school during the week yet still go out on the weekend and have, you know, still some fun in the hills and stuff. It still performs great, I feel. Yeah. And then, you know, to have another, you know, comparison to that, we, we also drove the X5 M60i, right? So mm -hmm. really the top of the line X5, aside from the X5M competition. So clearly uh, very different cars when it comes to the drivetrain and all of that. And I think even at the end of that video, we said it, we still picked the 50, even though we had a lot of fun with that. M60i. I mean, it's a fantastic car. It has a brand new engine, um, M engine. So it's got an S engine in it, which is cool because it's the same engine that's in the, you um, know, upcoming M5, for example, in the XM as well. So that's that's pretty awesome. But uh, we had fun with that car. It sounds great. It's a V8, honestly. I knew it's fantastic. Oh, that engine it sounded so amazing. It was, <laughs> it was ridiculous fast. It was uh, it was a lot sportier as far as the setup, the chassis, and all of that. So you can tell it's a it's the segue into the into the full M brand. But in the end, I, I just if if it was my daily driver, I would still I would still probably go with the 50 as much as I love that M60i. Yeah, it's I mean. 
I think we talked, you know, we talked about this in the video, the M60i's, it's so close to that already to the, the X5M that it's just like, you're already at, I think it was just over a hundred thousand dollars. And you're like, you're, you're already to that edge. And it's just like, why not? Right. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that stuff being to that higher end, close to that end line, it's just going to take away from your daily driving of it, you know, um, because you're just going to feel like it's a little too much for the everyday. So, yeah, I mean, especially if you live in Chicago, I guess, 2021 20, <laughs> inch wheels, I definitely see that suspension being a problem for sure. Not as bad as the XM, and that's going to be the next topic, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, for sure. So, yeah, so overall. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna maintain my my point of view that the uh, the X550 it's probably the X5 to buy today. Yeah, exactly. And I think for me the key point was the range is now up to you know 40 40 some uh, just over 40 miles electric. Yeah. Um, and for most people the average driving distance like 36 37 miles. So now the X5 hybrid can go your average daily driving distance on full electric mode so all week long on average you should be able to be just run ev right um, and then when you want to go on road trips uh you have that full the, the full capabilities of it yeah yeah definitely yeah. i think you nailed that point for sure okay so then well we continue our test fast. I mean, we wanted to test a lot. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was exhausted. We, yeah, I was exhausted too, and I I felt like we could have done more, but we couldn't. Honestly, it was it was really really busy, and it's tough to film. And I guess the most time consuming part is really setting up the gear in every single car and then taking it all apart and putting it back together. So yeah, but we still did the uh, the XM right. So we did the XM label right. I wanted to drive that um, label. You had a. Yeah, I mean you. But it is a red. A few times. Yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> actually, we're gonna talk about the name too because they um, they're saying now that it's not called a red anymore. It's just called XM label. Yeah, which it's throws a whole me story off. Story behind it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about it in one second. But it was one more point before. So I drove the car a few times before. You almost drove the car. You had a press car. Something went wrong with the car, so it had to be recalled. So you're still waiting to actually have it as a daily driver and uh and see you know how it does because essentially that's one of the things that i didn't like about the the xm that i drove in chicago as a daily driver but if i were to go on some of those you know curvy back roads i definitely like it quite a bit. So, <laughs> it's my, my main issue was really the daily driving thing of it but yeah so let's go back to that right so we wanted to see you know this 738 horsepower xm label right we wanted to see if it's if it's worth the extra money over the uh, 650 horsepower XM. So what, nearly 100 horsepower more. Um, would you feel that? I mean, you haven't driven it. Honestly, didn't feel the difference in power, but I guess we did feel like it's a very competent car, right? Yeah, it's it's a beast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the the thing with the the XM, it, no matter which version you have, uh, you know, ended up with, um, the the speed that you attain so quickly, you just don't even realize it. You know, there's multiple times, which obviously, you know, legally we shouldn't say, but like there'd be times where like, I would just be like, oh, I'm gonna excel quickly. But I'd look at it and be like, whoa, that was, that was way too quickly. <laughs> Going way yeah, too I mean, fast. <laughs> ridiculous fast. I mean, the car, it's, you know, sub four seconds, I think 3.7, 3.8. 
I mean, like you said, you, you don't even feel the speed. I mean, you get to up to high speeds in no time, basically. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like a lot of people look at that zero to sixty, and you know they know it's a big car. And once again, we'll go back to the oh, well, it's not Tesla speed. But the thing is with this thing is it doesn't stop accelerating at sixty. <laughs> I mean, it just keeps pulling, um, which is super impressive for the size of that car. Yeah, I think from a drivetrain perspective, I think they've done a fantastic job. So if you're looking at the engineering side of the car, I, th I think it's a brilliant car because the, the powertrain, it's really competent. They, it, it does a very good job of the transitioning also from the from electric to mm -hmm. hybrid and to gasoline. It's so similar. Sometimes you don't, won't even feel it, basically. And as far as the chassis, it's really... It's really an M car. I mean, you feel it. It's an M car. It's tight. It's composed despite its weight and, you know, heaviness and uh, the size and all of it. So if you look at all these things, you know, what they managed to do with that car, I mean, it's what, 6,000 pounds. I mean, it's ridiculous heavy and it's still enjoyable to drive, you know, fast and, and have some, you know, proper driving dynamics. But as we talked in the video, what's the purpose of that car? I'm still trying to wrap my head around that is it is it a, a, a car that could go to the track but it's not going to the track is it a daily driver for people it's they keep saying the extroverted people but i'm like okay what's uh, what's the extroverted you know person looking for is he looking for a daily driver to show up or is he looking for a fun car to go into the alps or into the you know mountains and you know drive you fast or even to the track so i'm still struggling with you know the idea behind the XM, honestly. Yeah, it's same. I, I don't know who it's for or what it's for. Um, you know, when you have such capable vehicles and like the X5M and the X6M, it's I, I just I don't quite see it. Um, the big thing with me is when I got that that press vehicle, um, I had a, a a 760 earlier this year. Which that interior is amazing, right? Like it's super luxurious. And when I sure. when I realized I was going to get the XM, I, I thought, like in my mind, I'm like at that price point and kind of how they're showing it off, this interior must be amazing as well, too, right? I was thinking in my mind it would be an an M vehicle performance, but with like a extremely luxurious, nice interior. But that's not the case. Like, yeah, it has the LED roof, but it's it's not. As you pointed out, it's just lit. It's not anything really special to it. And the interior is just a normal BMW M car. So yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I feel like they can still, you know, save the project if if you want to call it that way, because it's still fairly new. They have time to. You know, reassess things, take the feedback, and improve things. And from what I heard, I think they're they're going to do that. Actually, next year we might see some some improvements to the car. But I think they should just try to to figure out what the car is and who is it for. And in my opinion, and of course, you know, I don't work for them. I don't know what the you know big plan is for the car. But I I would just make this a a high end type of vehicle, like that's catering to people that want to buy a Range Rover or an or a G-Wagon, basically, so I would make the, the drive. I mean, I've said that in the reviews also. I would make the drive a little bit softer, the suspension Ooh. a little bit softer. Um, I don't know if it's feasible to do an air suspension on it or not, or maybe just a rear. I'm not sure from a technical perspective, but I would just make it a little bit softer. Overall, I would make the car a little bit more special, 
uh, and that brings me back to the you know label thing initially when i've talked about the label you know things it's been two three years now and i was probably the first one that wrote about this that initially there was supposed to be a label black or label red and blue and then black something like that so i and then it was supposed to be kind of like a limited run for each one of them and then kind of build more labels so the label was kind of like the overall you know umbrella or the overall brand then you had like you know uh, different models under that basically so i always thought that you know if you get a label red let's say a limited edition few thousand units you get something very special right a very special interior and we've talked about the concept interior that I saw in the concept XM, which was absolutely amazing. And and I kind of wish they would continue that story because they could say, okay, we're building this label brand out of the XM and we're going to make it a little bit different. You know, it's going to be a little bit more special. It's not going to be your typical XM. <coughs> Excuse me. And then then you feel like, okay, I'm paying $186,000, whatever that is. I feel like I'm getting a very special car, very special interior. It stands out. It's not an X5M plus, as I call the interior. Yeah. Uh, I would even maybe offer the option of, uh, you know, uh, you know, panoramic lounge roof, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll offer that option as well. And, and, and just trying to find that particular niche. I mean, it's a, it's a niche car. And right now, I, I feel like it's doesn't have a well-defined path you know basically yeah so and they've kind of been a little sneaky with that too right they didn't like come out and say hey this isn't the actual name it's it's they're just kind of slightly trying to change it in the background they're just now it's just xm label um i first saw that during their their promo video for their pikes peak run you know i, I kept hearing xm label xm label and it just started treating me like wait isn't it label red um, so hearing about all of that, it's quite interesting. And you, yeah. you bring up a good point. Maybe, maybe they don't know who it's for yet either. And they're still just trying to get it just fine tuned as well. Um, yeah. For me, I, as you pointed out, it's just, it's so harsh, you know, uh, you can, it just feels like you're, you have no air in the tires and you're just, you can hear everything. You can feel everything. Uh, and I feel like I, at that level of vehicle, at that price point, what they're trying to go for, like I was saying earlier, like it should have the performance of an M vehicle, but have that comfort and feeling of a top seven series, you know? Yeah. And, and speaking of the right quality, I mean, the roads that we were on, they were actually really good, honestly. I mean, there were very few spots when there were some imperfections in the road, but they were extremely smooth and really good. So imagine that car when I had it in Chicago. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I'm rarely disappointed about something like that because I can ignore the suspension and stiffness and all of that. But the final point on it, the final point on this one is really that most of the people that I talk to at the event, journalists, they love the car. They absolutely love the XM label red. So, I mean, I was talking even with Johnny Lieberman, you know, he's always very critical of mm-hmm. the products. He loved the XM. He's like, man, that car is fantastic. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, what am I not seeing? Am I, am I being too critical? Am I, am I not seeing the big picture? And it's possible. I mean, I'm, I'm not the authority on all BMW things, but I'm like, maybe just me. Maybe, maybe I'm, I just, I'm not a type of customer and maybe I just don't get it. And people that, that I have the money to buy their car, they're just looking for different things. And that's okay because that's exactly why I asked a lot of journalists there. I mean, I just wanted to hear, uh, you know, unbiased opinion because some people say, oh, you're biased. Well, clearly I'm not because I'm not 
in love with you, Sammy. Uh, and neither am I. And I really thought we'd have a, a good cop, bad cop thing with this, but we were both on that same page, you know? Um, so maybe it's not positioned for BMW tradition. I won't say traditionalist, but not the usual BMW customer. You know, they're going out and trying to get those people who are buying Lamborghini Urus and things like that, you know? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. When I drove the car uh, for the first time in Phoenix, and and it, it was mostly mountain roads, I loved the car. I mean, honestly, from a driving perspective, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I the only complaint that I had in that review was really just the interior not being, you know, up to the you know the price point. But as far as driving the car, there, oh man, it was so much fun. I mean, I think I drove it for eight hours one day, and and it was it was really 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 fun. A lot of people that drove the car there had, had so much fun with the car. I mean, all the YouTubers were there. From the Canadians to the UK guys, and they all they all loved it. But as a daily driver, that's when I really you know took a step back, and I'm like, all right. So it's anyway. it's a great car because it's just it it does things it's not supposed to do, right? It's a huge heavy car, but it just is fast, you know, and it just yeah. goes, and it does still corner really well. So it does all those things that M car should. But like in your mind, you're like, this is a huge big chunky vehicle yet it's doing all this right so that's what kind of makes it that fun factor but yeah on a day-to-day -day basis i don't know i don't see that the benefit of it unless you know unless you really want to stand out and be different and that's about it and is that is there a customer base for that like is there enough customer base to support that yeah, I mean, we're also thinking about our wallet, right? Where we can probably afford one nice car. And then, you know, if you're that type of customer, then you're always trying to to justify the product, right? Trying to get the best bang for your buck. But there are probably people that have so much money that they get the XM just to keep it for a while <laughs> and have some fun with it because it's so different, so special, you know, in, in other ways. And then then that's why they buy it. So maybe, maybe that's the type of customer. But in my case, I feel like if I were to buy the, you know, just one car and, and it will be the XM, then I would, you know, love to have it at least, you know, 20, 30,000 cheaper. <laughs> and then it would make a yeah. lot more sense, I would say, at that point. And then I wouldn't probably complain so much about the car. Um, but then again, yeah, I mean, it could be one of those things where we're just not a customer demographic for that car. And, and that's okay. I mean, we just pointed out the things that, you know, we, we thought they're different on it. So, yeah. Yeah. I always tell people, I always tell people, just go to a dealership, drive it see it for yourself. I mean, it's one of those cars that you really need to see it in real life because <laughs> in, in photos, there's some angles that look really weird, but in, in, in some, some angles are actually really, really good too. So tough one. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's any angles for me, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah, I just, it's a real tough one. I, I, I enjoy yeah. driving it. I'm sure I laughed and chuckled a whole bunch while I was driving it. But I, I'm definitely not that customer. I am not in that price range. I don't have that kind of money. So obviously, I'm not the customer. So I mean, I could preach all I want about why is it worth it? It doesn't look for, right. Interior's not special. I could say all those things. But once again, I'm clearly not yeah. the customer. So it, who cares what I yeah. say, really? <laughs> yeah. To end with this event, and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, we also saw the. Or I saw actually didn't have a chance to see it. I saw the new M5 and a and a new Mini Cooper. Can't really talk about it, but um, if you watch the renders and the leaks that were out there, I mean you're you're pretty much spot on. 
so yeah, I, I didn't spend a lot of time with the car either, but uh, it was interesting to see the, the M5 there. But we also saw the, um, the new Mini Countryman John Cooper Works, which was quite cool. Honestly, I, I know a lot of people complain about the car being too big and it's not a you know Countryman anymore, but I actually liked it quite a bit. And um, I, f- I feel like it's going to sell really well. It's got this, you know, Range Rover, Land Rover kind of rocket design, which I like quite a bit. Very boxy, very stocky. And I honestly can't wait to drive that car, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of room for that that size vehicle. And I think Mini can really, if they put the right amount of effort into that, could really help in their sales. I mean, cars are getting, once again, they're getting huge. Um, and so, uh, I think they they could be hitting into the, uh, nice sweet spot there with those, um, the M5, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to go jump in and look at it. Um, I'm sure they probably crazy. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? They were so busy. So busy. They want the, probably the most important product that's going to come out next year. And we barely, I mean, I, I honestly, I was in that, in the closed room for like, I don't know less than five minutes because I was running around trying to film something and you were doing the, you were filming something else. So it's crazy how busy we were and we couldn't really spend a lot of time with, uh, yeah, with, uh, with the car. But, um, yeah. And then really the final point on this event, there was, there was one other thing that I had the chance to do. Can really talk about it at <laughs> yet, but I, all I can tell you is that I can talk about it in about, what is it? November 28th. In less than two weeks, probably. So less than two weeks, I can talk about one more thing, which uh, which really it'll make some people very happy. Face. Yeah, exactly. So we'll just leave it at that. I'm sure people will try to speculate, but um, I, I had a little bit of fun with that particular product. <laughs> All right. So moving on, what else we said? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the. Maybe I'll, I'll talk about the IXM60 that I that I just got. I'm not sure if you had a chance to drive an IX. Uh, I have not actually been in. I, I actually haven't even been in an IX yet. I know they had them there at Test Fest, but you know we've um, obviously had lots of people already jump in and review those, so so we skipped that. Um, but now we have the long term test, which is great um, because that's that's the best thing to do with with EVs. It's hard to get in a week to realize you know, how, how good it's going to fit into your life. I know we've just discussed doing like maybe some road trip type stuff to get that, you know, kind of into our, our, uh, see how it fits into our life. So, uh, so you've had it now, how many weeks? Yes. I mean, I was supposed to get it in summer, right. Which was, I was excited about it because it's summer. It's nice to drive around all of that, but I, I, I received the car only in early October and it's, it's already snowing in Chicago. Actually snowed right now. So I have to to figure out if you're going to do winter tires on it or not. I'm going to have it for another few months probably. Um, so I, th- I think I put a thousand miles on it so far, okay. even though I, tr- I traveled quite a bit, but I, but I drove it as much as I could. I'm going to put a lot more probably this month being, being home. Um, I've always loved the IX. So that's why I said, I think you should, you should absolutely get a press car also in Seattle and, and test it. Even if it's not the M6, just a regular IX50, it's still really good. Because it is, it is arguably my favorite BMW product. A lot of people ask me, mm-hmm. especially when I go to events in, in Europe and different places, what's your favorite BMW? And they always expect me to say, oh, you know, the M3, the M4. And no, really, I, I've, I've always liked the iX ever since it came out, not necessarily because of the design, uh, the exterior design, but mostly because of the packaging, the, the platform and all of that being a bespoke car. It just reminds me of the i3 you know, being a dedicated platform with all the benefits that come with it, you know, interior space, um, efficiency, the, the driving experience, it's different. 
And and I've always liked the iX. You know, I've looked past the front end. Actually, doesn't bother me at all. I actually like it right now. But inside, it's really nicely done. It's so beautiful, yeah. minimalistic, but premium, beautiful. Everything it was just done to perfection with that car. And driving the car, I mean, it's not even about the speed. It's just so smooth. It floats on the road. The suspension is awesome. I mean, I love it in Chicago, honestly. It's so effortless to drive. Despite being a heavy and big car, it's really, really easy to have it as a daily driver. And it's just, I don't know, very, very serene drive. So I have the iXM60. Um, they give me a full spec. Clearly, they always do that. So I have all the driving assistant features. I had a chance to do a road trip like 300 miles road trip and i use them quite a bit it's so nice to just take your hands off the wheel and just let the car do its thing honestly it's so relaxing it just made the entire drive especially with kids and all of that a lot more relaxing yeah the, i love the, quite a bit. the driving assistance has gotten so good in the bmws um you know for for many years um it, it kind of they kind of just drifted in their lane a lot and they'd be teased by exit ramps and things like that um, but the, the XM that I had for that two days just was rock solid in the lane and just gave you so much confidence. It was so smooth and didn't yeah. feel like it was a computer driving it. Right. Um, yeah, so trying to fight you basically, it's not trying to fight you anymore. And that's the idea. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it felt great. So I, I could see where that would be a, like a, a great on a day to day, especially if you're driving a, a lot. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of time with the car focusing on technology so far. Uh, I've done a bunch of social media, you know, post on that and, and, and even some videos where I showed the iDrive 8.5 and some other features. So I absolutely love the, the technology in it. Um, what surprised me, actually, I just did a, a story on this, the fact that it was more efficient driving on the highway than driving in the city, which kind of goes against the, the i3 that I had, um, I always felt like it was more efficient in the city with the one pedal field and stop and go traffic. But for some reason, driving at, at constant speeds, you know, not crazy speeds on the highway, I got better efficiency out of out of the car. I actually, you know, took screenshots to prove that. You know, of course, people you know want to see or want to see proof. So <laughs> I did that, and it was um, yeah, it was definitely definitely more efficient driving on the highway, which was kind of unexpected, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's probably a testament to the aerodynamics. Of the yeah, car, and I, really good. I think that just boils down to the purpose of it too, right? So the i3 wasn't really made for for commuting, like for you know road yeah, trips. Car, is yeah. more for commuting, so things like that. So it was geared to be that round town type car. IX is you know more uh, comfortable, more for you know road trips. Got that longer range. I noticed the same thing in the XM. Um, actually right off the bat what i wanted to do was test its electric capability and i noticed on the freeway it was actually better on the freeway than in the city as well so i think it's maybe you know like, yeah the aerodynamics how they're kind of uh, gearing at it for that as well um with it getting colder is your range difference changed at all is it coming down so it just got cold really like few days ago so i'm gonna actually have to go out there and test it i, I want to test it with a preconditioning kind of thing and then also um just normal driving off so I'll, I'll do another test very soon i mean it's really cold right now it's like i think <laughs> today we had you know 18 degrees Oof. 20 degrees which is minus you know celsius four or five already whatever that is so this is going to be a really good test to see um i'm gonna i'm gonna you know fill it up completely and then do a do a test on it so i I expect another report very, very soon. 
Uh, and then I'll try to do a longer trip if we hit snow and see how it handles the snow. I mean, I have performance tires on it. <laughs> it's all wheel drive, so 600 horsepower, whatever that is. I mean, it's going to be a tricky one. So I have to see if I need to switch over to winter tires, as I always do, especially with the rear-wheel drive cars and powerful cars. But overall, honestly, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the car quite a bit. Um, as exciting as it is, you know, to get a long-term press car because, you know, it's our first one really in 13 years. I mean, I a lot of magazines got them a lot earlier than us and, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's not like I, I take the car every day and just drive around and, and go grocery shopping. I actually have to, you know, do the work and test the car because that's the point really, you know, being, being kind of your car for a while, well, you want to make sure you touch on all the points as a normal customer does and, um, my videos coming up will we'll try to focus a lot on, on that experience. Yeah, and that brings up one point that it's not just it's not just about the car as well. You know, it's all about the full experience of the EV. So like the charging network and things like that. You exactly. know, so like when you do go on a road trip, so, you know, I have seen quite a few pop up lately that are, are talking about how um electrify america's units are terrible and like they can, you can never find one that works properly so um that and that that is a huge piece of the experience of being in an ev right so uh, it'll yeah, be so I'm interesting happy that you brought that up yeah i'm actually happy that you brought that up because with the i3 um my i3 was a range extender, so I never really mm. had range anxiety because I knew that I had that back. <laughs> That's why I paid every time $4,000 extra for the i3 to get the range extender because I didn't want to worry about the charging. But this is the first time right now with the iX and now with the i4 where I need to worry about charging. Mm -hmm. And I just did. I mean, I, I, I did a long trip. I had to plan it out properly. I had to go out of my way a little bit to find a charging station. And even last week, I went to play soccer. I, I planned a trip. I went to an EVgo charging station. I was 100% sure it's going to work. It was a 50 kilowatts only, and it was broken. And mm. then as I left that parking lot, I looked I looked up some more stations in the uh, in the navigation system, and there was one right across the street. It was Electrify America, and they had four of them, 150 kilowatts, and they were all working. So actually, my experience with Electrify America that I've had in Chicago has been quite positive. So I I, I do recall seeing a lot of social media posts about the, the network not being good in certain areas. But in Chicago, actually, they're mostly up. I only saw one that was down. And uh, so far, they've been 150 kilowatts, uh, which which was awesome. I did find an EVgo. I think there was a 300 kilowatts, but I think the car only does uh, 210 anyway or 200 kilowatts, so it was a little bit too much. But the 150, it's perfect, honestly. I mean, even now, I, I found a good use case. The the <laughs> you know, like my wife said that I that I definitely planned this on on purpose. But the uh, the Electrify America station, it's about two minutes away from the place where I play soccer. So now what I do, I actually go leave the, I just drop off the car there almost completely, de like depleted and I timed it. By, by the time that I'm done playing the 90 minutes, you know, uh, the car it's actually done by that time. And I can go just go pick it up basically, you know, somebody can drop me off there. So now I can time it properly, take the car there with like 10, 15%, leave it there 90 minutes or close to that. It's gonna be, you know, filled up and then take the car and go home. So I'm like, yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's all just comes down to a different kind of mindset, you know. Um, and I think as people just get more used to it, and more stations pop up, you know, it's not going to be as big of as as a deal as it has been in the past. Uh, I know yeah. you currently, uh, you know, are selling, are sold, sold or selling your i three. Yeah, selling my uh, uh, 
return the lease. So okay. we can talk about that. But the, the last point on charging was that is this is this you you will adjust your lifestyle. I have adjusted my lifestyle with the i three as well. And and one of my friends at BMW, Alex, in the communications department, we've talked about this quite a bit with with him. Is that that I've been charging the i three for the last six, seven years at Whole Foods, right? There is a Whole Foods, even though it's not the closest to my home, it's the one that has a fast charger. And I was quite excited for a while. I'm like, oh, it's free. I can go there and drop it off by the time I'm doing the shopping. And then Alex was like, so now think about how much you're paying for a banana by just going to Whole Foods. <laughs> so you're really not saving any money. You're probably buying the most expensive bananas in the world, thinking that you're getting free charging. But essentially, that was one way to you know, justify charging a car there and basically doing two things at the same time, really. So, yeah, that, I mean, that just... was going to be my question was like, is your charging difference uh, change? Because I know you're right. The I3, a lot of people didn't really have home chargers um, with those. Um, but with something more like an IX where you're driving a lot more, you're using a lot more of that range. Um, do you have a home charger or are you going to only use uh, external chargers? So I don't have it at this place. It's a detached garage. It's a little bit more complicated. I actually just looked into this last week. So there is somebody that's going to come out and see uh, see what the what the solution is. There, there are two or three people that want to do this. And there is, um, there is an idea that we could do a, a, a joint or a common outdoor level two charger for all three of us. And we can snack charge once in a while. Or we try to run individual uh, conduit and, and wires through the garage, but it can get pretty expensive. I guess one guy got a quote of about $3,000 to install in his garage. And then we're like, well, if you do the math, you need to charge for a few years yeah. to get that money back, you know, and you might, you might, even if you sell the place after that, you might not get, you know, the investment back. So, so we're looking at some, some alternatives right now because it's, it's all concrete. So you can really, run the uh the conduit like under like underneath so it's going to be aerial so it's expensive and all of that but maybe we do just a single outdoor charging station i also have this major issue in my life where my 1m it's my garage queen so <laughs> well of course <laughs> so i only have one spot so i'm like uh, the, the the story has been something like this for the last few years every time my significant other would ask me so how come we don't have a charging station i'll be like ah you know it's impossible it's so expensive you can't really do it you know i looked into it but really the reason was i just didn't want to move my 1m out of the garage even though so i i literally occupy a, a garage spot with a car that i drive you know 500 miles a year or a thousand miles a year it's funny you mention that because we just moved into hopefully she doesn't watch this podcast. <laughs> yeah she she cut out a long time ago uh, exactly. yeah. um, but it's funny uh because we just moved into a new place as well and the place we just moved into has a already a charger in the in the garage nice. which made my significant other go well should we get an ev now <laughs> just because it's already there you know ching, ching. i know <laughs> So it's just, it's like, yeah. wasn't even crossing her mind until she saw, oh, well, we have a charger, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, if you have a home charger, it's probably the best thing that, that that you can that you can have. I mean, there is, you should definitely get an EV then because one, it's a lot cheaper to charge it. I just charged the, uh, the iX, uh, the first charger, and it cost me almost $50. Oof. Oh uh, yeah, so it's like almost fifty cents per kilowatt, really. Well, at home, I think I did a math. If you charge off peak, it's like you know ten cents or a little bit more, depends like on the state. But it's like five times cheaper to do it at home. 
So, um, so you're, one, you're saving money. Granted, you know, you have two years free of Electrify America, so you could use that. But um, yeah, I mean, home charger, it's, it's, it's one of those things that make a lot of sense. So if you can get it, um, yeah, absolutely worth it. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it makes sense. But it just makes it all yeah. easier. Um, but that's something that I'll definitely like looking forward with with you with the uh, the IX that I you know personally I yeah. I, I want to know is you know charging in the network you know because most people yeah. that's their whole point of not going with an electric is still that range anxiety right exactly. so now I have two of them right so mm -hmm. that brings me up to the next point right so um, I just posted the i three videos the farewell video I've had four BMW i3s, all range extenders since 2014. Uh, I thought I'm going to keep the car forever. I really, really like it. It's it's a great car. It never let me down. I absolutely enjoy that car. But unfortunately, the, the, the lease payoff was was super expensive or super high, and I just couldn't justify that. The, the, the used car prices dropped quite a bit after COVID. So I ended up ordering an i4. So essentially, no more range extenders. Right now, I have two electric cars that I need to charge. And, and, <laughs> and track that honestly i mean now i really have to you know track every single mile that i do every single trip so it becomes a bit more stressful so this will be a really great test for the next year you know if not more to see how i can handle it with two cars because right now i'm, I'm not driving my 1m at all really so it's essentially an all-electric family right now two different cars too i mean I have a sedan and an suv which is perfect so i feel like this will make for a really really great story you know coming up and a lot of great videos so yeah i uh, keep you updated on that experience i haven't had a chance to watch your your i3 video yet um i i like how yeah. i mean I'm, I'm guessing you're quite thorough through that um because i think i the i3 used market is just it's hard to pass up right now you, you can find some really nice ones for really cheap and it just yeah. makes it a very easy entry point into it and uh I, you know you and i are on that same boat i i always really enjoyed the i3 i thought it was a lot of fun i didn't mind its quirky looks the interior was cool like it just felt like you're driving a, a golf cart all the time it was just it was yeah. fun um, so, uh, yeah. I want to go watch that video from you and, and see, see some of your points over it. Cause you've had, you said six years you've had it. I've had this car for three, but I've had four of them. So I list them for two years before. So I've, so I literally had them for nine years. Wow. So I've had i3s for nine years, four different cars, four different colors, range extender, always the base spec. I never changed anything on it. really was always the same spec, just a different color. Even the interior was always the same. So essentially, yeah, I've had the same car for nine years, really. So, yeah, then you just went and really changed it up and got one. Yeah, I changed it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before before I tell you about that, the the, the lease payoff was actually uh, about $30,000, dollars 29 plus tax, which it would have been about thirty two, thirty three thousand. If I would have purchased the car during COVID, I would have probably made money. I, mm -hmm. I mean, they were selling for a crazy amount of money. But right now, I just found out, actually, from a friend of mine at the dealer that the payoff on a car like mine, not the payoff, the the price the BMW would give the dealership to buy the car from them, basically, because I, I just learned this recently. BMW Financial Service doesn't negotiate directly with customers because I, I called them up and I said, you know, can you, can you make a deal? I mean, I want to keep the car. You, you you don't have to take the car back and then, you know, put it through auction or all of that. And they said, no, we can't do that. But they do give the... The market price to toward the, the market value price to the dealership and i just found out for a car like mine it's about twenty thousand dollars or twenty one thousand dollars so it's, yeah. it's like almost 
11, $12,000 difference. Of course, if I was the payoff would have been, you know, 22, 23, I would have absolutely kept the i3 100% because my lease, you know, it's almost double right now with the i4, even though I think the MSRP starts just slightly higher on the i4, I think 57 something, but with all the incentives and everything else, I think I'm, I'm well at the same price that I pay for the i4, but I'm paying double, you know, of course the inflation and higher, you know, APR and all of that. But um, yeah, so I got a crazy car. Um, people probably have seen the Instagram video. I haven't posted a YouTube video yet, but essentially it's a San Remo green metallic. It's an i40 drive 40, not the M50 base model. Once again, I didn't want to spend money you know, <laughs> that. I, I admit it. And it's got a red interior. So it's got a Cora red and it's a crazy story behind it because I, I'm just like a normal customer. When I order the car, I go on the BMW USA. I really just spec the car. I don't even know all the options because, you know, part of my job, it's, I, I don't know all the options, really. I don't know what the packages are. I, I really have to read like a normal customer. So I did the same thing. I looked at the interior options. And then I saw, of course, the Cognac, which was gray. There was a brown. There was a black. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, it's kind of it's nice, you know, I mean, it's perfect. It's the, it's the safe choice. But then I saw the red and I started Googling and I saw that a few people got, you know, the i4 M50 with that. And, you know, they were like, yeah, this is, you know, crazy, but cool. So I said, let me do the same thing, you know, because I realized there are just very, very few people that pick that color combination. And it's absolutely wild. I mean, the dealership called me you know, <laughs> quite a few times because it, it took about three, four months to, to get a car, you know, built and shipped. And, and they said, you know, please pick up the car. Please do not cancel this order. I'm like, I'm not going to cancel the order. I wanted that spec, you know. And of course, the Cognac looks so nice with the, uh, with the San Remo green. And that would have been the obvious choice but it's a car that i'm going to give back in three years i planned it in, in a way that i want to get a new class in 2026 basically so i'm like okay three years i can call this the watermelon car or the christmas tree car because it really is and i can i can make fun of it i can build some stories around it versus having just another i don't know black white gray car yeah boring, it's so true like oh it's, it's similar to a few years back when everyone was doing like uh blue on red, right? The Superman colors, you know, like a few people got that. And it was like, Oh, that's cool. And then like, it kind of blew up and I kept started seeing it a whole bunch more. Uh, I, I love that you went with green. Uh, you know, I think uh, green's just such an understated color that just doesn't get, it get used a lot. But whenever you see a good green car, you're just like, Oh, that looks good. You know? Yeah. Um, so mixing it up and being a little yeah. unique, I think is really yeah. great. You know? Yeah, I mean, honestly, out of all the, the standard color palette, that's the only one that really was exciting for me. Of course, I could have spent more for a, you know, frozen Portimao or a color that I really, really love. I'm like, I'm not going to spend money on a color for the next three years. <laughs> I also spend a lot of time with the BMW design team, and I always ask, you know, what's what's in, what's hot, what's the new color, what's the new thing? And for the last few years, they've been telling me, you know, that green is really in. Everybody, you know, wants green, 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 purple. It's also in, especially on on sports cars. I mean, you see the, you know, Porsche with the Ruby. Yeah. And a bunch of other ones, too. Matt Farah so, and his you know you unique build exactly. if you've heard that that's a was it that yeah. you um it's that's like his was like purple on red as so it was yeah. incredibly unique as well yeah. uh, and you know a lot of people loved it and a lot of people you know don't but um uh i think after the last five or six years where everything was some shade of silver or gray or black or white it's just like finally getting some color options 
that aren't, you know, BMW individual, it's, it's great to see. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If I were to keep this car and then, you know, thinking about resale value, you, I would absolutely go for a safe color, right? I mean, I would do the safest possible spec, you know, with also the, the option that I know people would want, but this is a lease car. Once again, it's going to go back in three years. I'm not going to keep it because I, <laughs> as much as I love the i4, you know, it drives nicely and all of that. And, and it's just, I, I'm, I, I just want the new iClass. Really, it's, it's a huge step forward in three years. And that's exactly why I timed it this way. But the last point on the car is, you know, people think like I, I never even drove the i4 eDrive 40 when I bought the car. Like I, I only drove the the i4 M50. So honestly, I bought this car. I'm like, okay, I, it's an i4. I, I know it's going to drive well. And I did the same thing with the i3. The first i3 that I bought, I, I haven't driven the car before. Actually, uh, it was Sean that went to the car, to the press lounge. And I just just ordered it. I ordered it out of state too, honestly. It was <laughs> I did not even do a test drive on it. So um, the last few cars, I just like, blindly you know bought them the same thing with the 1m clearly I haven't had a chance to drive it before it came out so i just ordered the car but that was a no-brainer I, I, yeah i did this it's funny uh, i did the same thing with the e46 m3 like oh, yeah I, I never even driven it before i bought it um so it was uh thankfully as good as what i expected but yeah it's, it's funny how many uh you know enthusiasts are like oh i've never even driven this one before i just wanted it so badly you know that mm -hmm. we just we get it so uh it's yeah. interesting to hear um but you said you haven't had much time with it yet i mean i picked up the car on saturday <laughs> so um I, and then here's the crazy part the, the car was nicely you know, detailed, freshly detailed, so clean. I bring it home Saturday night. I'm thinking Sunday I'm going to take it for a drive, which is some video. And then Sunday it's no. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Did you, at least, did you at least get heated seats? <laughs> I did get heated okay. seats. I did get heated seats because in Chicago, that's something that I got on the i3 because you kind of need that in Chicago. So I absolutely got that. But I don't need anything else on the, you know, anything else on the card. I mean, driving assistance features, yes, but I don't. I don't plan on doing a lot of road trips. I have the iX also, so I'm going to use that as much as possible for that. So I feel like I got enough, you know, things in my car, basically. So speaking of HVAC and accessories on that, I haven't been in the new i4 yet. Um, are they removing the buttons and switches as well in that one? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's got the 8.5, and it doesn't have the the physical buttons really. I mean, they're reduced. I mean, it was mm -hmm. the same thing when it came out, really. So it haven't really. That was the idea from the beginning. I think that's the car that kind of started this whole trend. That was the first car that got iDrive eight. Um, yeah, I guess it's one of those things. I mean, I, I when I when I picked it up from the dealer, I was thinking about that, you know, because I'm always thinking about content. And I said, okay, let me see how many times I'm going to touch that AC. And honestly, I only touched it once. I mean, it's not like there is there is no variation in in temperature, you know, you know, in the in the span of a few hours or a few minutes or whatever. So, you know, I usually set it to 70, 71 maybe if it's cold outside, and that's it. I don't go to seventy five. I don't go back now. I just set it to a normal temperature that I know I'm comfortable inside a car, uh, and that's it. So that was that. And then other than that, I just the navigation. I mean, I use CarPlay on this one. I just set it up, and that's it. So I didn't really have to interact too much with the screen. Of course, it's annoying when you do that but if, there are very few functions that you constantly have to adjust what you're driving yeah and I, th I think there's workarounds to it that people just don't really realize as well you know like the preconditioning of the vehicle you know being an i4 and if it's plugged in you can precondition to that warmer temperature you know a lot of people are like well what if it's cold and i jump in and want to turn it up really fast to hot well you just get on the app the my bmw app 
preconditioned and in 15, 20 minutes, it's warm. And you just arrive to a warm car, right? So like yeah. there, there's newer technologies and methods to make up for the removal of those buttons and switches. Absolutely. I mean, I love them. I, I would love to have the AC knobs and all of that. But the, in, in all fairness, I mean, in my case, I don't know about everybody else, but in my case, I rarely touch them. I rarely adjust that. So that's it. I mean, honestly, there is no other feature inside the car that I would constantly adjust other than the navigation probably. But then you can do voice commands. You can do, you know, CarPlay, Apple CarPlay and all of that. So you don't really, you can do, you know, uh, via Siri also if you have the CarPlay connected. So you don't have to touch the screen. But other than that, I don't see myself configuring things while I'm driving, to be honest. So I'm okay with that. I mean, it doesn't really bother me. It's not my favorite, but I, the least of my concerns, to be honest. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just one of those nitpicking things, right? Um, I mean, one of the things I've always personally felt and, you know, being an enthusiast is whenever you got into a BMW, like, you knew it was a BMW because everything was in that same position, right? It, every, the layout was very similar. In recent years, you know, it's kind of been updated and changed a little bit. It's all still in that same kind of place. Um, so, you know, like, it's just kind of like a nitpicky, like, hey, we changed tradition, uh, you know, they've done that in the past um, on little things like the headlight switches. Now it's the button grid and things like that. Uh, and in reality, it's a, it's a complaint for a few months and then we just kind of move on. It's just nitpicky. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I can see that I'm complaining about the car for now is the fact that in the in the in the back I, I don't have more room than in the i3 honestly and, and i knew that actually i mean it's not a surprise because i drove the i4 m50 before and i looked at that it's really the same space if you have car seats and you and you put the car seats in there i honestly exactly the same space i had in the i3 despite being a lot longer and a lot wider and all of that and it's really just because of the platform you have the transmission tunnel in the middle as well. The floor, it's raised up a little bit. So even if you don't have the car sitting, sitting there, it's, it's a little bit awkward to see. So I kind of expected that. But uh, and then also the fact that the doors don't open too wide either. And essentially, it was a lot easier to get the kids in and out of the I3, to be honest. Oh, yeah. The suicide, the suicide doors. doors is fantastic. So easy. But I mean, especially with a the toddler, they could just like literally just climb through. I don't have to do that's so it's handy. Great. With the big hatchback. So, I mean, it, it's at least got yeah, that. So cargo space. Yeah. 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 The cargo space, it's great. Yeah. Especially, you know, you can lay down yeah. the seats and all that. So, even though you lose a little bit yeah. with the battery, uh, the layout of yeah. it being a Grand Coupe mm -hmm. makes it uh, quite, quite handy still. Yeah. I was thinking about my bike, actually, when I, when I, when I, when I first drove the i4, I'm like, okay, if I put the seats down in the back, I can definitely fit a bike through. I don't need to install a bike rack, basically. So I actually thought about that. Where with the i3, um, I, I I couldn't really fit a bike. I, I would have to take the front uh, the front wheel off in order to fit it. But with this one, I can definitely do it. So that's that's a plus. But honestly, I I like the car. I think it's a safe car. Uh, I'm not going to get things up like I did with the i3. I mean, honestly, the i3, even now when I would pass by somebody with an i3, they would wave at me and thumbs up and all that. It was like this little, you know, f uh, fight, fight club. I it's quirky. It's quirky. It's fine. Yeah, and like, exactly. yeah, like if you liked them, you really liked them. Um, so like, yes. yeah. No, I just... No, I just blend, blend. <laughs> or maybe not, maybe not with that sandwich. <laughs> so uh, what's your significant other think of it? <laughs> Yeah, so 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 that's actually what I actually filmed that portion, and I'm gonna publish it. I mean, she she was not she was not 
into the red thing you know initially she's like oh man she's like no let's, let's look at that let's look at <laughs> i'm like i said yeah you know what yeah. and she and she was like she's look at that cognac you know she's like can you can you call and change it? i'm like I can't it's too late you can't really change it. i mean it's just you just think about it as, as a fun car you always like to stand out anyway so i'm like this will you know fit you perfectly so now she actually loves it she's like this is great that's good my little one loves it too she calls it the water nice of course she heard that so so the whole family loves it that was surprising me so i had a chance to feel more you know her reaction when she saw the car because she was at home when i brought the car <laughs> perfect and uh, it was it was interesting to see that but yeah it's it's her car like in like in the end so um yeah it drives nice and it's all it's all it's it all that matters is she likes it yeah, exactly. <laughs> the turn radius, it's a little bit weird. And I and I warned her the turn radius is not as, it's really no near as good as the i3. That's and I just filmed that. so small yeah. and compact, you know? Yeah. Look look at the i3 video towards the end. I put a 360, uh, an Insta360 camera there. And, and I showed it. It's literally just rotating around its axis. It's so good in the i3. So good. I'm going to miss that. Yeah. So nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, uh, you and I are both that same page. I, I I thought it was a great little car. Um, I I I'm gonna buy one one day. I, I if if I have to start commuting back to an office again, yeah, I'm totally just gonna go out and and, and get one of those because at their price point now, I mean, there's some yeah. there's some up here in the northwest I've been seeing for like fifteen, sixteen thousand. Just like, how do you not buy a carbon fiber BMW electric car like? for that kind of money you know just like, how do you not can i can i give you some homework <laughs> you can find a car because i couldn't find it i was i was looking for a while for the i3 uh, that chuck has so chuck has an i3 non-range extender and he's got a galvanic gold Ooh. so they only made galvanic gold for one year i took my I, I i bought my i3 or released my i3 in november 2020 and uh, they announced the new colors in January. So when they announced the new colors, I told Jack, I'm like, man, that, that gold is awesome. Like, you got to get that, you know. I, I, I think he was going to anyway. And he got that gold. The Galvanic gold is so nice. It's the same color from the X2. Man, it's, it goes so well with the car. It's perfect. And I looked for it for a while. And there are just very, very few that were actually ordered like that in huh. the US because people didn't want that crazy spec, you know, basically. And now, actually, I, I was following the i3 groups on Facebook and a lot of people are actually searching for that particular get the rare combo so, um it's so nice that if i could find that maybe <laughs> <laughs> i really like it really yeah like it. they're coming to that price point where it's just like why not you know yeah yeah exactly so yeah so that's the story and then towards the last point because i think we went a little bit longer yeah let's um yeah, so on a, on the new side of things um we published Yesterday or two days ago, that BMW registered the name uh, M3, which to me is not a surprise. I've heard about the name before. I even published the code name ZA0. I was the first one to publish that. That's the name of the electric M3 that's going to come out. And essentially, we don't know a lot of this. I mean, the, the, they're testing the car clearly. They showed a prototype uh, last year that they're testing the new technology. I think next year I'll have a chance to sample some of the new tech with new A-Class and then get an idea of what it might mean for M as well, but essentially uh, they will have an electric M3 sometimes after 2027, basically. The question is if they're going to have a gasoline one as well, and that's something that I guess is still uh, still being determined. It's not been, uh, the last time that I, that I heard it's not been finalized or have been 
approved, but there are indications that we will still get a gasoline M3 and then you'll have this all electric uh, M3 as well. So that was kind of the big news today. Of course, I think if they're going to do the IM3, it's going to be like a quad motor. Dang. So that'll be really <laughs> interesting yeah, to see how they do that. Some actually that gives them so many opportunities to give it some amazing performance, like on track and things like that, right? So like you have an independent control of all four wheels then you you know, so uh, it, that that could be a lot of fun. As much as I'm looking forward to that car and the new chapter for the BMW M brand, if Instagram is still around in 27, <laughs> I can't wait to see the comments. Oh man, that's so big gold. Oh my god, magic! Like the M3 is like the untouchable car, right? Oh, I can't even, I can't even imagine. The but you like know, sound everything. He, oh my god, you know we say that, but it's it's gone through its its changes. You know, we threw a V8 in it, we threw turbos on it. You know, I mean, it's like, but there was sound. It's all yeah. There's it always said, but I mean. Here's my point, like coming from the, you know, I'm, you know, obviously an M enthusiast, like in the reality, as long as I put my foot down and it does the things that an M vehicle is supposed to do, I don't care what powers it. Right. I mean, yeah, a lot of the exhaust note is part of the driving and stuff like that. Um, but I think even driving like the, M the i5 M60i and stuff like that. I'll, I'm okay giving up the exhaust note for, for the acceleration that I can just see the IM3 happy. Yeah. And I truly think that BMW will, will make a regular M3 too, because uh, a lot of the European states are pushing back on the, on the legislation that, you know, they have to cut off uh, combustion cars by 2030. I think the UK pushed it back after 2035. And, I, and, and, and BMW is smart enough to know that they, they could still offer two cars mm -hmm. and they'll, you know, one for the future, one for the current people. They still want a, you know, a combustion powered M3. So I'm, I'm almost hundred percent sure we'll see both. Um, I also have a feeling or, you know, there are some hints that uh, combustion cars like on the Clark platform will have longer uh, life cycles. And now it's always like seven years. I think they're going to extend it for many, many cars as much as possible. So essentially you have probably multiple facelifts. I think the X3 people will be surprised what's the, projected life cycle right now it's like really long for the new one so um i have a feeling they're going to try to to extend it as much as possible i mean if there are no regulation that come in place and you could have still combustion powered m cars for the next 10 15 years i have mean, no idea how that's how the legislation is going to change but uh it doesn't seem like it, it just seems like there is a little bit of uh, um people are, or automakers are taking a step back right now okay well, we're not going all into electrification maybe we're not there yet and they're still considering, you know, keeping gasoline cars. Yeah. So, which is, I mean, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if you had a chance to buy one of the last ones, if you think of one of the last ones or, you know, um, buy used ones. So you can always have a classic car and have an electric car like I do. So. Yep. And I drive my classic M3 less and less every year. See, you know, this, you, you've got to do a review on that car because honestly, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't driven one in a long time. And you, and you have a classic car, you know, you should do a review on that for sure because it's definitely a classic now. Yeah, next spring I have to do a bunch of tuning and maintenance to it. Um, but next spring I want to definitely. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to do. I'm going to talk about that maintenance, what needs to be done to when after you stored a car for a long time, you know, kind of bring it back to life. Um, but I, when I, I changed its storage location recently, 
Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, it's just still so good. You know, we, we drove a lot of those classic M cars back in, in June um, at South Carolina, you know, the 1M and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, you get in that car, you just head out on, on like a sunny Saturday. It's just like everything's right with the world, right? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, exactly. just makes everything better. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we're not going to sell that. You know, I, I, I've always said I'll never sell it. It was very tempting during the, the pandemic when they got up mm-hmm. to, you know, $60,000, $70,000 for some of those yeah. E46s. Yeah. And, you know, mine's yeah. in great shape, too. Could have easily sold, yeah. doubled my money. I mean, I stole it when I bought it. And, yeah, I got it for under twenty-four. Um Wow. What year is it? Like uh, 13 years ago. So, like, oh, okay. um, yeah, so. I don't know, man. Keep it because, honestly, <laughs> E46 M3 has always been one of my favorites. I, I I love the design. I love the engine in that car. And then think about it. What other BMW could buy with that money that would give you the same joy? I, I don't see one that's comparable. No. Uh, the only other one I want, as I've talked about in our previous videos, is that M2CS. Maybe, yeah, but that's like but that's, 95, yeah, it's way up there. I just saw one in the yeah. yeah so I just saw one in the showroom, you know, of $95,000. So I'm like, that's you know, it's $30,000 more than yeah. your car right now, basically. That's the so, only other one I'd want. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, I just keep yeah. that one. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. Yep. Great. Well, that's a, that's a good way to end this. Well, Nate, uh, thanks for joining Anytime. me. Anytime. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll do this soon again and we'll share some more things. I mean, hopefully we get a couple more in before the, the holidays. There's still a few topics that we um, left behind and we can probably, you know, um, use one episode where we bring a guest. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think about we that. have some good guests that we can talk to, um, catch up with as well. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there will be some fun new topics coming out in the next uh, next next few months. So, um, And, exactly. you know, you've got two new cars, so we need to hear about those as well. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And for our listeners and viewers, if you have any suggestions, any feedback on how we can improve this, um, what guests we should talk to? I mean, we don't know everyone in the car world, maybe. So maybe if you think there is somebody that's, you know, quite interesting to talk to, doesn't have to be a BMW gearhead or not, um, just drop us an email. I mean, at podcast at bmwblog.com, or you can find us on Instagram, both of us, you know, we'll leave all the handles and everything else. So uh, drop a message and, and let us know. I mean, we're always listening to feedback and Essentially, we do this because people, you know, care to, I guess, listen to us and see us. Yeah. Um, a little and maybe bit. we venture out. I've I got some crazy ideas. Maybe we do some, maybe we do this live once and reply, reply to people's comments. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. That'll be a good one, actually, via YouTube. Yeah. That'll be do, a good one, actually. Yeah, we should, we should find a, a venue for that. Yeah. yeah cool. We got some, we got some, a bunch of ideas that we can start doing. Um, and hopefully we have the time to do it. Awesome. Well, Nate, once again, thanks yep. for joining. And I will see you in the next one. Talk to you later.